Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul, and my co-host Justin Baker and I are uh, along for the the playoff preview ride as we've done the 5-12s and the 6-11 matchups. You can go back and listen to those if you if you haven't heard them. Subscribe to the show wherever you're listening, and uh, and hit back listen to those. Uh, but we are moving on to the seven v tens. Uh, the New York Islanders and the Florida Panthers and the Vancouver Canucks and the Minnesota Wild. Some of the, maybe the, the I don't know, kind of the most up in the air series that we have done so far are these collections of series. And uh, yeah, we're, we're just going to jump right into it. The New York Islanders, Florida Panthers is where we're going to start. And Justin, I just want to get your initial thoughts of this series as it is a rematch of the last time the Panthers made the playoffs. Good little bit of trivia. Yeah, I would. I mean, honestly, this is the series of underachievers, in my opinion, when you look at this, right? I mean, the Islanders finishing the season at number seven, the Panthers obviously coming in at number 10. And both of these teams, I mean, maybe you and I in our season predictions, I can't remember what you specifically had, but I had the Islanders kind of dropping off a little bit. Um, because I, I didn't see a lot of, you know, sustainability when it came to winning games two to one all the time, especially in this day and age with the NHL, just scoring a, a boatload of goals all the time. Um, but Panthers, especially another team that I, I fully expected to push for a, a top three spot, right. Alongside the, you know, the Maple Leafs, the, the lightning, and, you know, even the Boston Bruins, I, I fully expected the Panthers to be there, uh, you know, to, to be a team that could contend for one of those top three spots, albeit before we had this whole funky playoff uh, situation now. And so, yeah, both these teams just kind of, you know, underperforming what people thought they were really going to get out of both teams. Yeah. I mean, so when you look at the, you know, these two teams playing each other uh, regular season wise, the Islanders won all three games. Uh, They win October 12th, three, two in a shootout. Now, November 9th, 2-1 in regulation, and December 12th, 3-1 uh, in regulation, obviously, as well. And when you look at those regular season matchups, obviously a little earlier in the season, but that was really when the, like, the Panthers were playing okay at that point. Uh, so, you know, take that for, for what it is. Obviously, this is it's all going to be kind of crazy anyways. I, I think maybe more more so than ever regular season matchup means less than anything we can imagine. Uh, but in terms of these two teams playing styles, I think there couldn't be two teams more different facing off against each other. Uh, the Panthers seventh in goals for 28th in goals against Islanders 23rd in goals for sixth in goals against. So we're seeing, you know, one, one team that is, all about the offense because that's really the only choice they've had given the way that they have gotten very poor goaltending. And of course the Islanders are the opposite. They don't really have a lot of offensive weapons. Therefore they, I mean, and they're coached by Barry Trotz. So of course they're going to be focused on the defensive side of the game. So it's going to be, you know, which group is able to show up with their abilities early on in these playoffs, you know, nobody's played in four months, five, maybe six months by the time we play, what's going to be easier to, to chug along. Is it the Islanders defensive system or is it the Panthers creative offensive abilities? 
Yeah, and that you, you mentioned it, right, the coaching. And I, I couldn't be more excited to see this kind of coaching battle between two of the greats in the game, Coach Q and Barry Trotz, right? We're going to have two coaches that are going to probably have to adjust at like every single game. And I'm assuming, you know, again, we're going to have three in one spot, two in the other. But, um, you know, again, home ice really doesn't matter. It's all going to be about last change when it comes to the quote-unquote home ice advantage when it you know, when you talk about it in the series. And so for both coaches, you know, whose style is going to prevail and who's going to be able to adjust on the fly with their team in such a short series to really counterattack what the other team might be doing. Yeah, that's exactly it. Uh, I think let, let's go through the different positions as we've done on all of our other uh, pre-series rankings. Uh, <laughs> just it started, it started pouring outside my window and it just distracted me for a minute. But uh, our previews, so we, we went forwards, defensive goalies. Um, I want to start at the defensive position because I, I, I think for the Islanders, that's really, it's one of the most important spots, especially given the way that they play. I know they play a great all-team defense, uh, but the Islanders acquired Andy Green at the trade deadline. Uh, it was, you know, maybe it slid under the radar a little bit. Andy Green isn't exactly the Andy Green that, you know, we knew maybe five years ago, but he's still a serviceable defenseman. Uh, since they acquired Andy Green at the deadline, though, the Islanders are 2-5-3 and three with him in the lineup. I, I know it was a long time ago at this point, but he steps in. I know they had a few injuries, but this team didn't exactly, you know, he, he slotted in. He was playing 18, 19 minutes a game for the most part. Uh, his his time on ice with the Islanders is a little bit, uh, when, you, when you actually go in and look, I think it shows like 14 minutes something, but he only played three minutes of one game because he got hurt. So, uh, it kind of skews the whole thing when you've only played 10 games and one of those you happen to play three minutes. Uh, but Andy Green is a guy who I think was they were hoping would fit in nicely with that defensive core. They didn't play very well leading up to this, you know, everything stopping. Grant, it, it's a great time for the Islanders to be able to rally and, and all right, we can forget about that. We can move on. But you you got to think that this team that struggles to score, they were really struggling to score beforehand. What's probably, I mean, are they going to be able to score goals coming out of this long break? I mean, it seems to be a group that needs some cohesiveness to be able to score, and I'm wondering if that's going to be an issue. I mean, you look at their possession numbers. Of all the playoff teams, the Islanders are the worst. They were 29th in the league. I think the only teams worse than them were the Red Wings and somebody else, somebody else who was terrible. Uh, Probably Ottawa. <laughs> they, they're 20th and five on full five on five goal differential. Uh, just a team that didn't did not have much control over the puck, and that to me is a big problem when you are coming up against the Florida Panthers. I know the Panthers didn't win a single game against the Islanders in the regular season, uh, but the Isle the the Islanders. I think we're maybe more of a lucky team this year than they were last year. Like last year, they were unexpected. They came out of nowhere. They played this great defensive game, and away they went. They continue to play a solid defensive game, but I don't think they're catching anybody off guard this year. And I think they got more lucky this year than they did last. Uh, their their goaltending hasn't been as good as when Robin Leonard was there, uh, but. 
I do think that there is going to be, I, I think that they're a little bit of a, a misnomer. I, I don't really think that they were as good as being a seven ranked team in these playoffs shows. I really think that this, this is maybe a flip flop. Like the way that the Panthers played everything outside of goaltending, the Panthers are much better than a 10 seed in these playoffs. The Islanders to me are are worse than a seven. And I, when I look at this series, I think this is probably the most likely to be an upset uh, out of any series that we've done thus far. I mean, the eight nines, who cares? But uh, I, I really think the, the Florida Panthers, if they can get any goaltending out of Sergei Bobrovsky, I mean, is that maybe the biggest game changer in these entire playoffs? Is there a bigger, like, this one player on this team that's struggled all year long, if he can come in and be himself or even just be average, a little above average, this Florida Panthers team might be a team that could not just win these preliminary rounds, but they could have a deep playoff run. I think they're set up for it. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. And I mean, when you, you talk about the defense, right, starting at the back end, that's where offense is supposed to start. And to me, when I look at this Islanders defense, I see nobody in my mind who I think can be a real puck mover for this team. Nick Letty was supposed to be that guy. He started off when he came to the island, uh, you know, putting up some good numbers. But since Barry Trotz has come over, it's it's been stale. The offense hasn't really been there for what they thought they were getting when they signed him. Uh, luckily for the Islanders, you know, Boychuk is coming back. He's going to be healthy after missing, I believe it was the last three games of the regular season. Um, but again, I, I think you have a lot of guys that are just defensive defensemen, guys that don't really move the puck very well. Um, you know, there's, there's no one that stands off the page to me. And I think when you, you look at this team as a whole, right, that's, that's kind of their mantra, right? Just playing defense. And so if push comes to shove and they have to match up goal for goal with the Florida Panthers, it's going to be a nightmare. I mean, again, we, we talked about it. Florida's got a lot of talent up front, a lot of guys that can score some goals. And if the Islanders have to start moving the puck from their back end, start having guys pinch in, it it could spell doom for them. And, you know, again, when you go back a little further, right, we, we look at the goaltending. And you mentioned it, uh, you know, again, since Leonard left, this goaltending wasn't what it was last year. I mean, Leonard and Grice were both putting up 930 save percentages, and now it's just your run-of-the-mill average 913, 914 kind of say percentage out of Varlamov and Grice. And, and there's the other big question, too. Who's your starter? You know, I, I would assume Varlamov is probably the guy they're going to go to because they did give him the, the term on his new deal. So Yeah, and, um, and I mean, he started – he played in 45 games. Grice played in 31. So you, you got sure. to think he's the guy. Um, but, I mean, really their stats are, are quite similar. I mean, in terms of quality starts, pretty much the exact same percentage on their games. They both had a few really bad starts. Uh, I mean, they, they're very even, you know, right? Like 914, 9, save percentage. Like that's, it's the exact same thing. So you, I mean, I guess in terms of playoff experience between the two of them, uh, I mean, neither of them have a ton. Uh, no. Tom, I mean, Thomas Grice has made it into the playoffs a, a few times. He, he played for the San Jose Sharks in a game in 2010 he went on a nice run with the Islanders in 2016. He was actually the one that beat the Florida Panthers as their goaltender. Uh, and then, of course, they, you know, he 
played against Tampa Bay and uh, and lost in those. So that's kind of his his lone experience. 2016 is really his one run. He played in one game last year and uh, was brought in at the end of it. Uh, Semyon Varlamov, though, I mean, you know, you think about him in Colorado. He he certainly didn't have a lot of experience lately. The last time he made the playoffs, 2014, when Colorado lost in seven games to the Minnesota Wild, and then he went on a on a nice run with the Washington Capitals in 2009 and 2010. He he had a couple runs, but it's been a while since he played in the playoffs. Six years. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, who do you who do you go with? I guess you're not at that point. You're not really worried about your playoff experience. You just want somebody to come in and and basically play the way that they've been playing in the regular season. That's the only way that the Islanders are going to beat the Florida Panthers is if they get rock solid goaltending. They're going to have to get fortunate. They're going to have to probably see the the Sergei Bobrovsky that we saw all year, which was not very good. And if Florida doesn't get that goaltending that they need, you know, then then I think that they're done. Like that's that's really it. That this whole series comes down to goaltending, maybe more than any other series, because I mean, you've got a Vesna Trophy winner, a recent Vesna Trophy winner, backing your team up. He was just absolute garbage all year long. I mean, a three-two-three sapers or goals against nine hundred save percentage. If that is up at the nine fifteen, he's he probably wins four or five extra games this this season and and is having a pretty decent year. Uh, I mean, I guess you can consider the fact that Chris Dredger played twelve games. He he played some games down the stretch for the Panthers. I think he played their last three games or three of the last four. Nine three eight save percentage of two oh five goals against. Uh, he played pretty well. I just can't see the Panthers saying, "Hey, you played really well in some random stretch in March. Let's give you the start when they're paying Bobrovsky ten million bucks." No, absolutely not. And I mean, he's the one wild card in all of this. This whole entire series, right? Bobrovsky, if he can get a little bit of what he was last year when he when they upset Columbus, upsets the Tampa Bay Lightning. I mean. I don't, I don't see any way the Islanders are going to stand a chance uh, because if it does come down to goaltending, again, if you get a, a little bit better Bobrovsky, I think, you know, uh, Florida's got enough offense to really, you know, hold hold the Islanders in check. And I think Coach Q is smart enough to figure out how to, to counterattack any sort of defensive systems they might have. And so, um, you know, it'll be an interesting series, um, you know, moving up front. When you talk about forwards now, the Florida Panthers, to me, are just stacked. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, obviously, I think when you look at center depth, I would probably give the nod to the Islanders, but everywhere else, it's all Florida. I mean, they've got the goal scores with, with Hoffman, Huberto, and Dandenoff. They've got Sergey, or, or I'm sorry, Sasha Barkoff centering that top line, and even Eric Hollis, you know, not a, a bad center, maybe not an ideal number two center, but he's still a, a decent center to have in your lineup. So, and then even further down, you got Brett Connolly, uh, Noel Achari, who you know is known to have a little playoff success with the Bruins in the past. So this will be quite interesting. Yeah, I mean, here's the opportunity, I guess, for uh, this. This is going to be Barzell versus Barkov. I mean, that's that's really, I think, how how we have to look at this. I mean, it's the the young guy on the Islanders. Can he? I mean, he's had 60 points this year. Probably would have ended up with somewhere around 70 to 75 when all was said and done if they played a full 82. Outside of him, there's not a whole lot of goal score or a point getting for this Islanders team. And 
I think I think that ultimately is is going to be their downfall. I mean, you look at the Panthers; they had basically three guys with over sixty points right now, like through the end of the year. You have Huberto at seventy eight, Barkov sixty two, Hoffman at fifty nine, Dadanov at forty seven, Yandel at forty five, Ekblad at forty one. I mean, they've got two defensemen who have way more points than any defender on the Islanders has coming into this. Uh, it just, I I mean. Outside of the fact that Vince Trocek is gone from Florida, uh, which I know shocked us all when that when that happened, uh, I still think that the Florida Panthers. I really think this is the one series that I'm I'm fairly confident in picking the the underdog to win this, at least the lower seed to win this series. Uh, also, you look at the power play, the Islanders. Uh, we'll go to like special teams. The Islanders' 24th ranked power play only is 17.2%. By far the least power play opportunities in the league. 168. The next lowest is 184. So not a whole lot of power play opportunities for this Islanders team. Uh, They were 15th in penalty kill and the third lowest power play opportunities against. So that that always helps. They're not getting a lot of power plays, but they, they they only got 176 power plays for the opposite team. The Panthers, though, coming in at a 21.33% power play. Uh, and their well, their penalty kill isn't great. It's really only a couple percentage points off of where the Islanders are. Uh, and granted, the Panthers have the fifth lowest power play opportunities against. So this, this will probably be a pretty low, low amount of power plays. But this Panthers power play is so much more dangerous than the Islanders. And that, to me, could be the difference. You get good goaltending from Bobrovsky, and if the Panthers' power play connects at 20%, I think they probably win this series. Yeah, and the one thing, uh, you know, when you talk about other factors outside of Bobrovsky for the Florida Panthers, you've got three guys in their top six forwards who are playing for new contracts and probably, like, their last big deals. I mean, you got Mike Hoffman, Dandenoff, and Eric Halla, all three guys, 29, 30, and 31 in age, that are probably playing for their last big money deals coming after this season. And so, you know, they've got something to prove that I can still contribute in, you know, this new age NHL, you know, at 30 plus years old. And so uh, I think those guys are going to go hard. They're going to try to put up a lot of points so they can cash in in the offseason. And, uh, you know, it could pay dividends for the Florida Panthers. Yeah, one guy on the Panthers not to sleep on. Uh... He played 39 games with the Panthers in, and had 15 points, but a guy who has had some, you know, maybe some uh, some ups and downs, but has made real differences in the playoffs. And now that we've had a lot of a lot of time off, likely very healthy. Brian Boyle could be a guy on that fourth line for the Panthers that could make a big difference because the Islanders, if they have anything, it is depth. Uh, through their forward position. I mean, they don't have a lot of power up at the top. Like there's not a whole lot of star power, but they have quite a few bodies that they can roll through. So I think they're one, maybe the one advantage is they might have a better third, fourth line than the Florida Panthers. But Brian Boyle could be a guy to keep an eye on in these playoffs. A guy who's been relied upon for faceoffs. You know, he's not opposed to having Brian Boyle go out, take a draw, get off the ice and on comes somebody else. Uh, I think he could be a little bit of a sleeper in this series. So we shall uh, we shall see. So let's give your prediction for this one. Yeah, I'm going to go Florida Panthers in three games. Wow, a nice sweep. 
Yeah. I'm uh, I'm going. I'm saying we're going in the distance, and uh, what I I want to get real specific, and I want to say the Florida Panthers winning overtime in Game Five to uh, <laughs> to you know kind of right the demons of losing Game Seven in overtime a few years ago to the Islanders. So I go Panthers in five. Sounds like we're both uh, fairly down on the Islanders, uh, but it's still going to be a good series. I, I don't know if I see a sweep. I don't know if any of these teams are going to sweep anybody in these preliminary rounds. I just I feel like everything's just too random. There There's a randomness about this that I, I just don't see any team just knocking off three in a row, but that's just me. Uh, okay, let's go Vancouver Canucks and the Minnesota Wild, the other 710. Uh, really in the regular season, quite even between the two of these teams. Minnesota took two of three, one of them in a shootout. January 12th, so they've actually played all three of their games within the final two months of the regular season. We see January 12th, the Canucks win 4-1. February 6th, the Wild win 4-2. And then February 19th, the Wild happened to win in a shootout 4-3. to three. So almost the same, very similar goal differentials and you know quite close in all their games. As well, the Canucks 10th in goals for, 13th in goals against, the Wild 14th in goals for, and 10th in goals against. So almost the exact same positioning just flip-flopped on those two things. Uh, two teams that can certainly, they can score goals sometimes, uh, they're not bad defensively, and I, I really I think both these teams are very even in just so many ways. Uh, that that's probably where I would where I'd land. The one thing is that the Wild had a much better finish to the season. The Canucks a much better start. Yeah, and when you when you talk about finishes, right? I think all bets are off when you talk about the last stretch, right? Minnesota obviously coming in hot. I think what was it their last. Um, Boy, uh, I think it was their last 18 games. NHL.com says that they went 12, five and one. So obviously, super hot down the stretch. I mean, we know what Kevin Fiala did for this team. Kind of the spark there, right? I mean, I picked them up in fantasy and it paid off very handsomely. Uh, but again, Markstrom coming back for Vancouver. You know, Minnesota now hitting the pause button on that hot streak. So to me, all bets are off when you talk about streaks, right? Um, it's just going to be whose game is going to come out bigger in this contest yeah momentum doesn't doesn't mean anything uh now i would say the wild or one of the luckier teams in the league 101.2 pdo uh which is your shooting percentage and uh, save percentage combined five on five they had the fifth highest so you know they they definitely made the most of their opportunities got some clutch goaltending uh they also had the a league high 10.6 percent shooting uh, which is very high, and oftentimes we see teams like that take a dip back. Like over the course of the sixty-eight, however many games they actually they played in the regular season, over the course of those games they did shoot inordinately high shooting percentage. So that is going to play a factor. I and mean, you, you probably aren't going to get ten point six percent in the playoffs. <laughs> Uh, whereas, yeah. whereas the Canucks were their PDO was very normal, right, right around the middle, hundred point five. So I think the Canucks were probably about where they should be. The Wild probably got a little lucky. Yeah, I, I mean that's that's safe to say. And um, you know, again, uh, when you talk about teams here, right, and the difference, I look at Minnesota as kind of like 
an old dog sensing its end, the windows closing, right? You got guys like, again, Eric Stahl, Zach Parisi, you know, um, Ryan Suter, who are a little bit, you know, past their prime in terms of age and, uh, you know, their opportunities to win. Devin Dubnik, another example, they're, they're kind of on their way out. And, um, you know, this wild team, you know, up against the cap, so they can't make any drastic changes in the offseason to really spur a new, you know, open that window a little wider. So to me, this is uh, an opportunity for Minnesota to come in here and, and beat, you know, a much younger Vancouver Canucks team, inexperienced anyways, when you talk about guys like Elias Pettersson, uh, you know, Bo, Bo Horvat, uh, you know, Brock yeah. Besser. Yeah, these this, young guys who don't have a ton of experience, right? Right, the entire core, they've never been to the playoffs. Right. Yeah, I mean, I'd say when I look at Minnesota's defense, uh, obviously, but like Minnesota's defense is their top four is one of the better top four in the league, I think. Like Ryan Suter, Matt Dumba, when they're healthy, they're both phenomenal defensemen. Jared Spurgeon, Jonas Brodeen, two maybe like very, very underrated defensemen. And I'd say in terms of being playoff tested, this Minnesota Wild defense in particular has so much experience. They're so much more tested. And like, you know, I I look at, all right, let's look at matchups. Like who's going to be on the ice the most for each of these teams? Well, it's going to be Ryan Suter and Matt Dumba. On the other side, you're going to see a lot of Quinn Hughes. And, you know, you're going to see a lot, I guess you're going to see a lot of like a Tyler Myers or an Alexander Edler Tanev. Uh, but Quinn Hughes is going to be the guy. He's going to get his extra playing time for sure. And he's going to be going up against these other guys who aren't as good offensively. Quinn Hughes is, is the best offensive defenseman in the series. But is Matt Dumba the best defenseman in this series? And how much of a difference does that make? Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt, right? When you when you talk about it, um, you know, Quinn, who, Quinn Hughes coming off that tremendous Calder season, um, you know, whether or not he'll get the trophy is yet to be seen. But to me, I, I, I would probably put my money on Ryan Suter being the best defenseman in the series. I think overall, I think obviously Dumba is probably the better defenseman, but I think Ryan Sutter is going to be the guy. He's going to be the better defenseman out of all three, six, however many defensemen you want to throw in the pot. He's going to be the guy for me to that I'm going to look to and say, okay, you got to lead this group because again, you know Minnesota. To me, you, you talk about the shooting percentage. I don't think they're going to be such a high goal scoring team, and so they're going to have to rely a little bit more on those veteran defensemen to really kind of lead the way. And I think you know lead the offense as well. And so, uh, to me, I, I look at Ryan Suter and think that he's going to be the go-to guy for me. Okay, yeah, I mean that's uh, and and I I think that in this situation where now we've gotten a lot of rest, like Ryan Suter could play thirty five minutes a night, and that's I'm that's not an exaggeration. Absolutely, especially in this shortened series, you're gonna see a lot of Ryan Suter. I think you'll see a lot of Matt Dumba too, uh, but it's it's gonna be interesting. It really is the like veteran kind of the team that you know this is really maybe a last hurrah for this team. They were lucky. I mean they're. Let's face it; they're lucky to get in. They probably wouldn't have gotten into the playoffs. Uh, they've got a, some guys with stuff to prove. I mean, Eric Stahl, here's your chance at the playoffs. Uh, I mean, Zach Parise, we know what he can be when he's very healthy. And maybe this is Zach Parise's opportunity to to do something that he hasn't been able to do: go to the playoffs fully healthy. Uh, I, I and then you've got Miko Koivu. He's a UFA at the end of the year. Maybe Alex Galchenyuk. You know, we talk about the previous series where guys in the Panthers have 
they're they're out to prove a contract. Who in these playoffs needs to prove themselves more than Alex Galchenyuk? Yeah, I couldn't disagree with you more. I mean, or couldn't disagree with you less. Uh, obviously, his stock hit rock bottom when he was in Pittsburgh. Uh, they pretty much dumped him off as saying this guy's no better than a fourth liner. So bye, go to Minnesota. And now here's your opportunity, right, to cash in, get a new deal. You know, whether it means you have to take a one-year deal, but you still get paid a little bit more and get another prove-me contract. But he's a guy who can really step up and help this Minnesota team because, again, when we talk about a lot of the veteran guys on this team, you know, maybe they don't have the the speed and the, you know, legs that, you know, a younger team like Vancouver is going to have because we know what Elias Pettersson can do. We know what Brock Besser can do. Those guys can skate, and they're going to go hard, and they're going to go fast. So here's another young guy, Alex Galchenyuk, who I think is a great skater. He can move his, you know, he can move quick. So is he going to be relied upon maybe a little bit more than a guy like Eric Stahl at center who, you know, maybe doesn't have the legs or the wheels that, you know, an Elias Pettersson might have? Sure. Uh, when, when you look at this team's Minnesota in particular, their goaltending. You mentioned Markstrom coming back from an injury. I think it's likely he he gets the start in the playoffs, despite Thatcher Demko playing very well down the stretch for the Canucks. Uh, I think Markstrom is their guy. Like you're going to give him the opportunity to to do this. Uh, you know, it'll be we we talked about it on another on another show. That'll be interesting to see if anybody decides to continue to split time, see who's the freshest right now. Uh, but I would expect Mark, Markstrom starts game one. The Minnesota Wild, though, are really it's it's up in the air to me who starts because Alex Stalock was starting a lot of games during their hot streak. And I, I'm wondering if, you know, if maybe Alex Stalock gets the nod over Devin Duvenick. I mean, yeah, this this will really be interesting. I mean, like you you said it, Stalock was coming in hot. He was playing really well. But Dubnik's proven in the playoffs that, you know, he can really hold his own and he can. You know, he can help carry a team down the stretch. So, you know, who's going to be the, the go-to guy for Minnesota? I don't really know. And, and not to mention that, but they've got this guy who just won the AHL goaltender of the year, Capo Kokinen. Uh, a 9.13 save percentage in five games looked really, really good. Did not look uncomfortable or out of place, in my opinion. So he's a guy that I know Minnesota wants to use in the future and wants to be their goaltender of the future. But maybe do they give him some time? Do they let him start the playoffs and say, hey, you know, we got in, we maybe shouldn't have been in the playoffs this year. So let's just roll the dice, see what we got out of this guy. Because obviously Dubnik is, you know, getting up there in age. He's not going to be here for, you know, much longer. So let's go with the the guy of the future here and see what he can do for us. That would be a pretty interesting turn of events if that, <laughs> right. if that were to happen. I mean, yeah, Dubnik certainly didn't have the year that, I mean, you talk about a, an underperforming guy. We talked about uh, Bobrovsky and Dubnik had an even worse season uh, only started 28 games this year, an 8.90 save percentage, 3.35 goals against. Only 32% of his starts were quality starts. I mean, he just he had a an awful year. In my mind, though, you gotta you gotta stick with him. Like you give him every opportunity to be your starter. You know what you have in him. A- Alex Stalock. It's if Alex Stalock's a 25 year old guy and he was just kind of coming into his own. And you saw the way that he played towards the end of the year, and you said, "Wow, this like this guy could be our goalie." Maybe you go with him in the in that situation. He's thirty two years old. I mean, he probably he had a good little stretch of games, but I think you know what you're getting with Alex Stalock. It's very average goaltending at best, but Dubnik does have the ability 
to have a 92-925 save percentage and really show up for these playoffs. I would expect that Dubnik is going to get the benefit of the doubt, and we'll see what happens here. I mean, what do they really have to lose? They're the 10 seed. If they don't win this round, they're going to get a high draft pick, and that, frankly, is probably more what Minnesota needs anyways. Uh, but if they're going to win the series, they're going to win with Devin Dubnik. I, I don't yeah. think they're winning it with Alex Stalock. No, I, I don't disagree with you when you talk about Stalock versus Dubnik. I, I would definitely go with Dubnik over Stalock because, one, obviously Dubnik's got more playoff experience, and he's shown that he can he can prove, he can can you know show up in the playoffs. But, you know, on the flip side to me, that, that wild card is that third goalie in Kakinen. Um now, on the flip side, when you look at Vancouver, this is going to be interesting. I, I know Markstrom is going to be the guy. He's coming back you know, off that injury. He's going to be fresh. He's going to be ready to go and had a great regular season. But to me, this is going to be a lot of fun to watch for, you know, in terms of the goaltending matchups because Markstrom is going to be a guy who's a UFA next season. And I think this is a big turning point for this franchise in terms of, you know, do we hand the reins over to Demko and, you know, maybe DiPietro and say these guys are going to be the future moving forward? Or is Markstrom going to be a guy we can re-sign because we know he can give us success in the playoffs? And so this is a prove-it time for Jacob Markstrom to say, you know, I deserve another contract with this franchise. You know, um, you know, I'm your guy. I'm the guy who's going to lead this franchise to success moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I think you're probably looking to sign, like keep him around for another two or three years. Because while Demko may be ready, we've seen it. It pays off to have two really good goaltenders. Absolutely. Uh, so I think you're spending your money. If and I, I did actually see something within the last 24 hours that they were they did come out and say that he is an important guy for them to keep around. That to me says he's probably getting the nod here. And even if Thatcher Demko, if if it becomes a one A one B situation, which it pretty much has become, I do think that Markstrom was the better goalie. I mean statistically speaking that's that is true but uh, I think you got to give Markstrom the reins here he has earned the chance to win for this team in the playoffs I mean, he's 30 years old he was he was traded here a, a long time ago from the Panthers and this is his this is his chance I mean he, I think he was traded for Roberto Luongo right um yeah I, yeah, he yeah was, maybe yeah, yeah. I, I mean he's played a lot of games for the Canucks uh over the last at least over the last five five seasons he's he's been their starter and I, I think that yeah again he deserves to maybe have some success with this team and, and it's good to see uh, so I'm I'm thinking that he is the starter for the playoffs for the Canucks and then Dubnik for the Wild uh, last thing that we haven't really touched on is the special teams and this is where uh, I think it's it's gonna like you said I really think this series is gonna be fun because these these two teams are teams that maybe we don't necessarily think of as these potent goal scoring teams, but they do have the ability to to score goals by committee. And I mean Vancouver fourth best power play in the league, twenty four percent, and the second most power play opportunities. Only the Edmonton Oilers scored more power play goals, and the Edmonton Oilers power play is insane. Uh, whereas Minnesota, they've got the 11th ranked power play, 21.3%. And uh, I, you know, I just, I look at both of these, both these power plays, there's going to be some, some goals. I mean, Vancouver, 16th best penalty kill, 80%. Minnesota at 77%. They only had the 25th best, best penalty kill. I think that the special teams is where this is going to get interesting and fun. Uh, 
Like Vancouver's got a great power play. Minnesota's power play does have a lot of talent on it. They've they've got some great hands. You think Eric Stahl, Zach Parise, both down low. I mean, these guys are. You know, I think between the two of them, they had 17 power play goals. Kevin Fiala had nine. Uh, this this power play is a fun a fun power play to watch. Uh, I think that really that's that's your biggest wild card in this is you know because Minnesota is a little slower we've seen it Vancouver has the most power play their second most power play opportunities in the league why they're so fast that teams are having to haul them down you know they're taking tripping penalties they're taking hooking penalties against them interference because they need to slow them down any way that they can and is that going to result in Vancouver getting four to six power plays a game in this series I think that it might especially coming off this long break where like your speed isn't just disappearing. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be the key for sure. And I, I mean, there's so much depth at the fourth position for both these teams. It's, this is going to be a fun series. This is going to be one of my more, I, I would say favorite series to watch in the, the qualifying round, just because, uh, you know, these are two teams to me that, you know, Vancouver, I think is ahead of schedule in terms of the rebuild and Minnesota kind of on the way out. So you got kind of two polar opposites here in terms of, you know, just that aspect alone. And so it'll make for just some fun, some fun, entertaining games for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, the other thing is that with it being in, in Vancouver for three games, potentially, I think that, you know, those, those are the 10 o'clock games. So they're easy to watch. There aren't very many. I think it's just Vancouver is the only Pacific time team that made the playoffs. Well, you do have Edmonton, but they're yeah, um, but they're Mountain Time. But I, w- I will say though, um, you know, they they haven't really chosen the hub cities yet. I know they're they're going to narrow it down to two. Oh, that's so. true. They're doing the hub city. I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> so, but I do think right now Edmonton, from everything I hear, is Edmonton and or Las Vegas are going to be one of the leading candidates for uh, you know a city, and it really depends on again whether or not that whole border issue with U.S. Canada, if they let these guys go over or not. Um, without any two-week quarantines, that sort of stuff. So, um, you know, I think regardless, you're going to have one, one, you know, West Coast city and, you know, a team like Vancouver, they'll probably throw that series out there just because they want to try to get, you know, those fans that are going to stay up in Vancouver to watch this. Yeah, yeah, that'll be that'll be interesting to, to see what ultimately happens. Uh, we know players are starting to practice again. So that's a good sign. Uh, I think we're still probably a little ways away from seeing actual live hockey probably – minimum eight weeks away from seeing the playoffs begin. Uh, but we are going to have the draft lottery that's coming up in a couple weeks. So we'll, we'll, you know, we'll keep our, our, uh, ears on that and watch what happens. I know that as a Red Wings fan, you're going to be hoping that the, the odds go in your favor this time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, luckily the wings can't fall any further than fourth place in the lottery, but <laughs> You know, the way their luck's been the last few, uh, you know, lotteries, it wouldn't surprise me if they, they don't hit one of those top three balls. <laughs> yeah, they, I, I, at this point, they deserve, I actually, I really, I hope that Alec, Alexis Lafreniere comes to Detroit. I, I mean, I'm not a Red Wings fan, but I would love to be able to go see him play whenever I want. Like, yeah, there you go. <laughs> that, that's going to be a blast. Either him or, or Byfield or, or, you know, whoever, anyone that goes in the top three is always usually pretty good so but Lafreniere in particular I think is probably the the most likely to be the next Matthews Eichel I'm not going to say McDavid because that's just not fair to anybody but 
he he really does have maybe the most impressive resume coming into the draft uh, over anyone since McDavid. So, and that also is mostly because Matthews didn't play in North America the year before he <laughs> he was drafted. But uh, that'll be really really fun. Looking forward to that. We will be breaking down the eight nine series next. The uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Columbus Blue Jackets and I'm blanking on the other series. Who's on the other series? Who's on the oh on the West Coast? The oh, other, that's the yeah. Flames and Jets. Ah, yes, the Flames and the Jets. Ah, good old Canadian series. That one will be fun. Uh, that will be. But before we go though, I I got to know your prediction here on this oh, series. Yes, yes, of course. Um, prediction for Vancouver and Minnesota. I am picking the Vancouver Canucks to win this one. I'm gonna say they take it in four games. And uh, that'll be that. All right. Yeah, I actually am going to have to agree with you for the first time. And this will be Vancouver and four. All right. Well, there we go. Uh, that is your seven ten pre playoff predictions and, and preview. We hope you enjoyed it. Find us on Twitter at OT Hockey Talk and you'll let us know what you thought. And uh, we will be back with you very soon. We will. We promise we'll eventually get to uh, to starting to rank some of these countries again, like we've done. If you haven't heard the Czech Republic yet, you can go and listen to that. But uh, we'll we'll hop back on that once you know. I think there's going to be a little bit of a a lull here to uh, leading into the playoffs anyway. So we'll we'll get back to doing some rankings. Until then, enjoy the summer weather. We'll talk to you soon.